0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you with us today. My name's Rich. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. And as Elizabeth said, we are in a series from the Book of Psalms called Prayers from the Heart. And it's all about how we can handle our emotions in a way that is healthy and helpful. Now, of course, there are a couple of ways of handling our emotions that are not healthy, that are not helpful. One is to pretend they're not there, to kind of stuff our emotions away and suppress them. The problem with that is they don't actually go away. They just get kind of bottled up and they'll come out in all kinds of ways later on. But the opposite way is to vent our emotions, to be driven by our emotions, to explode frequently and let our emotions out. And of course, that's not a healthy way to live either. Now, you may have grown up in a family that dealt with emotions in one of these two ways, in a culture of venting or stuffing. And if you're not sure, maybe the best way to tell is around the dinner table. So when there was conflict in your home, were mealtimes quiet? Everyone with their kind of heads down, not talking, but with this unspoken underlying heat. Or was there volume and confrontation and people saying things they need to apologise for later on? I'll leave that for you to consider. But the Psalms model a third way to deal with our emotions, a way that is healthy and a way that's really helpful. See the Psalms don't for one moment pretend that our emotions aren't important but instead of suppressing or venting them the Psalms teach us to pray them, to pray our emotions, to take all of our mess, raw and unsanitized, and to bring it to our heavenly father knowing that he can handle our emotions and he can help us deal with them. Well today we're looking at fear. And I don't know about you but I don't have to scratch too far beneath the surface to find fear at work in some way in my life. I've spoken in church before about some of the fears I've recognised in myself, a fear of failure, a fear of what others think. But I think for many people, the events of this year have brought fear to the surface, perhaps more so than at any time in recent memory, certainly more than any time that I can remember. At the height of the lockdown earlier this year, a survey found that nearly half of UK adults reported a high level of anxiety. People have been fearful and with contrasting fears, fears for our health, fears about losing someone that we care deeply about. Fear of losing a job and all the implications that that would have. Perhaps you've experienced some of those very real fears for yourself. Or perhaps for you, the fear comes now. It's the idea of coming out of lockdown that makes you fearful. Things starting to open up and places getting more busy. Being around people again. Maybe the thought of going back to the kind of life that you had before feels overwhelming. Or perhaps for you, there's another fear quite apart from the coronavirus that keeps you awake at night. How do we live with confidence in a time like this? How can we find peace? How can we sleep at night? And to be the people that God made us to be, to live with the freedom he created us to have, we need to be able to deal with our fears well. So this morning we're going to look at an amazing psalm, Psalm 3. It's a short psalm, just eight verses long, but in it we'll see that David, the psalmist, goes from fear to fearlessness in just a few short lines. Do you want to know how he does that? Do you want to see how we can overcome the fears in our own lives? Well, let's look at this psalm together gozi is going to read psalm 3 to us now a psalm of david when he fled from his son absalom lord how many are my foes how many rise up against me many are saying of me god will not deliver him but you lord are a shield around me my glory the one who lifts my head high i call out to the lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands that assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Thank you, Gozi. Why don't we pray together, church? Father, we want to be free of fear. I want to be free of fear. But more than that, Lord, we know that you want us to be free of fear. So I ask, Lord, that you'd help us this morning by the presence of your Holy Spirit and through the truth in this wonderful Psalm, Psalm 3, I ask that you teach us. I ask that you encourage us, you challenge us, and you change us so that we might live the life that we've been made to live. And I ask that, Jesus. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, like many of the Psalms, Psalm 3 takes us on a personal journey and it's full of emotion. It starts with David in real fear. He says, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? And the word translated as foes there emphasises a growing threat, an escalating problem. David here feels trapped There's no way out. And yet by the end of the psalm, he's saying this. He's saying, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Almost to the point where he's so confident that you want to say, David, I'm not sure you're meant to speak to God like that. But how does he find such confidence? I want us to focus this morning on two very simple things that David does in this psalm. Very practical that we can learn from if we want to be free from our fears. Here's what David does. He gives God his fears, and then he grabs hold of God's promises. He gives God his fears, and then he grabs hold of God's promises. First, we give God our fears. So what is it that David is scared of here? What is the threat? Well, there's a note at the top of this psalm that gives you the context. It says this, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. See, David here is on the run. And you can read the whole story in the book of 2 Samuel. But David's life is an amazing story of God's generosity. God has raised this shepherd boy up to be a mighty king. And he was popular, loved by the people, with a reputation as this mighty warrior, with stories told about him, songs sung about the victories that he had. But there's a moment in David's life where he seems to take all of God's generosity for granted. And he sleeps with another man's wife and he has a husband killed. And from that point on, his authority and his grip on power and his family, it all seems to fall apart to the point where now, as he writes this psalm, David's son has formed an army and is staging a rebellion against his own dad. David is running away from his son into the hills with more than 10,000 soldiers coming after him. Why is David scared? because there are about 10,000 soldiers trying to kill him. That's actually a pretty good reason to be frightened. There's a very real and present threat to David's life here. And that's part of what David is experiencing. But I think there's more going on here too, because look at what David prays next. He says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. God will not deliver him. You see, it's not just the physical threat. It's what people are saying about David too. See, something deeper is going on here. This isn't just a physical attack. This is an attack on David's sense of self. This is an attack on his identity. That's what's at stake here. Psychologists talk about there being different kinds of fear. See, some kinds of fear can, of course, be incredibly healthy and helpful, When your body detects a danger, fear can give you increased physical energy and help you to think quickly and clearly, and it can lead you to respond really well. I saw a video just this week with a montage of kids falling from climbing frames or riding a bike towards a wall, but where one of their parents senses the danger and responds with almost superhuman agility to stop their kids from hurting themselves. Don't ask me how I found that. It's just amazing what you can stumble across on the internet. But you see, fear can do that for you. When it's it's the response to a specific danger, fear can be constructive and mobilising. But there's another kind of fear, a deeper kind, what we might call anxiety. And the difference with anxiety is that it's not necessarily related to a specific threat. It's often more generalised. And it's a deeper sense that won't go away of being fragile, that our identity is somehow threatened. And instead of being constructive, this deeper kind of fear can be debilitating. It can make you unable to act and it can hang around like a dark cloud long after any physical threat has gone, leaving you always on edge, always restless, always unable to find peace. Now, I'm not for one moment belittling any fears that you may be experiencing, whether that's about COVID-19 or anything else. But the danger is when it gets to the point where it starts to affect our sense of self. I was talking recently with a Christian friend about the deeper fears that she sometimes experiences. Now, this is a woman who knows God. She's seen and experienced the kindness and faithfulness of God in her life. But she said to me, very honestly, very perceptively, that deep down she recognises in herself an underlying belief that God won't help her. That when it comes to it, she's on her own. Now, really, she knows this isn't true. But in the midst of tough situations, that feeling can resurface. Now, I wonder, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever have an underlying feeling that God will not deliver you, that God is not for you? What do we do with those kind of fears? See, again, the temptation is to either stuff them away and pretend they're not there or to let them drive our conversations, our WhatsApp messages, our, our social media posts. But what does David do? Well, he brings all that mess to God. He's honest with God about what's really going on deep inside him. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, he says. He doesn't suppress it. He doesn't vent it. He brings it to God. But here's the key. See what David does next. He grabs hold of God's promises to him. See, there's a turning point in this emotive prayer. And it all hangs on two simple words at the beginning of verse 3. Did you notice? David says two simple words to the Lord. But you, but you. See, David was far from perfect, but here is a man who absolutely understood the character and the promises of God. And in the midst of his fear, he grabs hold of God's promises. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning. In your prayers, do you get to the, but you? Yes, let's bring all our emotions to God, our loneliness our shame, our tears, our fear. But don't let's stop there. See, the secret to finding peace and confidence is to get to that but you, to know and to grab hold of God's promises to us. So what are God's promises to us in this psalm? What truths about God does David speak out in prayer? Well, first, David says this, he says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. What does it mean that God is a shield? Does it mean that we're somehow protected from hardship, that bad things will never happen to us? Is it a promise of a pain-free life? Well, no. And many of you that will know that all too well. But think about it. Putting on a shield never means that bad things aren't going to happen. If I put on a shield, it's because I assume that bad things are going to happen, that there's going to be all kinds of stuff coming at me that I need protecting from. So you wear a shield because you know you're in a battle and that's what we're in. We live in a broken world with pandemics and risk to our health and our lives, but more there's a very real spiritual battle going on with an enemy who wants to rob us of the peace that we have. And if we believe that God's role is to prevent bad things from happening to us, then when hardship comes, as it will, when our finances are affected, when our families affected. We can start believing it's a sign that God doesn't love us, that God isn't for us. But that's not true. See, sometimes God does rescue his people from hardship. Sometimes he doesn't for whatever reason. But the promise of God is that when hardship comes, God is right there with you in it. See, David prays, you're a shield around me. A shield is there to protect the part of you that matters most. And the part of you that matters most if you're a Christian is your identity in Christ. Your identity is his beloved son or his beloved daughter. And that can never change. That remains untouched in good times and in bad. Whatever fears you may be struggling with today, if you're a Christian, you can say to God in prayer, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. You are my protection. Grab hold of that promise for you this morning. Then David says, but you are my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I love that. Why does David say you're my glory? What does he mean by glory? Well, the word glory there means something that is weighty. It means heaviness, something that has significance. See, this is about what David is giving weight and significance to. It's about what he's placing his security in. See, for David, at this point in the story, everything else that he may have been tempted to put his security in, everything else that may have given him a sense of identity in the past, well, it's gone. His popularity amongst the people has gone. His authority has gone. As a father, as a friend, even as a morally upright man, he has failed in so many ways. But what he recognises is that it's God who gives him his security, so he put it another way in, in, in at the start of one of his other psalms. In Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything I need in him. I have God. He's the one who gives me my security. He's the one who gives me my sense of identity. See, when we experience a deeper kind of anxiety, it's often because we've placed our security or our glory in the wrong things. We look to all kinds of things to give us a sense of identity, our status, our popularity among our friends, the respect of others, being successful at work, being a good friend, a good mum, a good dad. And these might all be really good things, but they were never supposed to give us our sense of identity. Gerald Wilson, in his commentary on Psalm 3, writes this, As long as our dignity and honour come from what we are able to do and accomplish... Or from what others around us think we are standing on shifting ground and are unprotected from attack human beings fail and public opinion even that of our closest friends and family is too often fickle only God provides the shield that is both before and behind only he is our glory and the lifter of our head If you're experiencing a deeper anxiety, be careful what you're standing on. Be careful what you're putting your trust in. Then we can ask ourselves these questions. What is it that gives me my sense of identity? What is my confidence in? How important to me, how central to me are things like my status, my success, my popularity? How much do they matter to me? David recognises that God is his glory. And hear this, that, that his God is the one who lifts his head high. Do you ever catch yourself walking around with your head down? We can do this. I know I can often do this when I'm troubled by fears and anxieties. If I'm discouraged or full of worries, I'll walk around with my head down like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. It affects the way I talk and it affects the way I walk. But David says to the Lord, you are the one who lifts my head high. See, it's beautiful what he's saying here. See, to, to lift our own heads is to be proud, to be arrogant. But for someone else to lift our heads, well, that means that they're proud of you. The wonderful truth of the gospel is that because of Jesus, God approves of you. He's proud of you. Isn't that remarkable that the God of perfection looks at us, at you and me and says, I approve of you. I love you. You may have all kinds of worries. You may have genuine reasons to be fearful, but don't let them eat away your identity. Don't let them rob you of the truth of who you are in Christ. He loves you. He's for you. He'll sustain you. To know that truth is to find peace. And David says, lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. See, these fears and anxieties can rob us of peace. They can affect our sleep. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer says this about the way to start a day. He says, the real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes. And to that I would add fears for the day rush at you like wild animals. And your first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger life come flowing in and so on all day. What a great way to start and to end each day that is, to allow God's voice to speak louder than your own thoughts to allow God to lift your head. But finally, you might ask, well, how can we know that God is really like this? How can we have confidence that God is all the things that David says he is? Is it just wishful thinking or is there a fixed truth that we can hang this on, that we can pin this on? Well, look at what David says in verse four. He says, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. What is it that David knew about God? When David says God's holy mountain, he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about the great city of God. And on the highest point in Jerusalem stood the tabernacle, the tent of God, where God's presence would dwell. And on this holy hill, animals were sacrificed so that sinful people like David could be forgiven and made right with God. David could look to the presence of God in the holy city and know that he was forgiven. And you might say, well, what on earth does that have to do with me? Well, David knew something of the character of God, that God was the great deliverer, but he didn't know what we know. He didn't know it to the extent that we know it. See, we can have much greater conviction than David because we live this side of the cross, because of what Jesus did in that holy city of Jerusalem. See, make no mistake, Jesus gets fear. Because in the garden in Jerusalem, as he looked ahead to the agony of the cross, scripture says that Jesus cried out to God in prayer. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. But Jesus went to the cross. And as he hung on that cross, many in the watching crowd said of Jesus, God will not deliver him. But we know that it was love that held Jesus to that cross, loving obedience to his father and wonderful, loving compassion for us. Jesus allowed himself to die so that we could be completely forgiven. See, God demonstrates his love for us at the cross. And now when we look to Jesus for our salvation, we're brought into his family and we have our identities totally transformed that we're now sons and daughters of God. And it's because of this, because of what Jesus did on that holy hill that we can walk around in this life with our heads held high, free from shame, free from anxiety, free from fear. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, the Holy Spirit, who enables us to say, along with David, I will not fear, because it's from the Lord that deliverance comes. See, let's not vent our fears. Let's not stuff them away either. But let's bring them to God. Let's bring all our fears to him openly and honestly And as we do, let's grab hold of God's promises to us. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head on high. Well, We're going to worship in a moment. I feel like that's an appropriate response. But before we do, I'd love us to make space just to bring any of these fears and worries and deep anxieties to the Lord. So let's do that now. Let's make space to do that. God is good and he's here and he loves you. He is so for you, whatever your story, he is for you. Let's just make space here to start bringing our fears and, and worries and anxieties to him. If any anxieties have been weighing heavy on you, just start to bring them to God now. Just start to talk with him about them. Perhaps there are things that are robbing you of sleep. Robin, you're of joy. Well, in the quiet, just speak them out quietly to him. Name them to him. What are your fears? Do you know, these things won't be a surprise to God. He knows about them already. Just speak them out to him. Maybe whisper them to him. And let's invite his peace to come right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've promised never to leave us alone in this life, Lord. You're here. You sent your Spirit to comfort us, to lift us, to fill us. Well, come, Holy Spirit, come. Perhaps there are areas of your life where you've found yourself looking for your security in other things, things other than Jesus. Well, the Lord says to you today, let me be your glory. Don't trust in those things for your identity. Look to me. Look to Jesus invite him to come maybe you don't know Jesus If, if not invite him to come and make himself known to you this morning Lord thank you that you're here thank you that there's all kinds of good you want to do us this morning come Holy Spirit come Lord would you lift some heads this morning would you lift my head would you lift the heads of those in your church would you lift the heads of those who don't yet know you Jesus would you help us to see you more clearly Lord, we thank you that because of the work of Jesus, because of your life, Jesus, because of your death on that cross, because of your resurrection, that the approval of God is on us. You are for us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to know that truth. Get it deep down in the core of who we are. Come, Holy Spirit, and reveal Jesus to us. And we ask that, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen man, Well, church, let's worship Jesus together, our shield, our glory and the one who lifts our head high. Let's worship him together.